0: talking about our time with Jesus, growing in our knowledge of Him, growing in freedom, coming closer to Him, understanding His truth, His word, His ways. And this also happens to be my favorite time of the week. I love to get together with my family, my faith family, whether we get to be able to hang out in person or we're connected here, we're engaging here. I love this. We're continuing our series today called TikTok Theology. And the reason that we're doing this is because of our passage in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy 4, and I'm going to give you a chance to get there if you have your Bible or maybe you've opened up the Waterview app and you're following along in the digital worship guide. Paul says this, Proclaim the Word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it is not. Hey, tell yourself this, that's a word for me. I know that word preach has kind of got you thrown off because it's intimidating and you're thinking that involves me, like that's my job. But preach here, that word preach, just simply means to proclaim the good news, to talk about Jesus, to share your faith. And it says rise to the occasion and preach. That's for everybody. We are all, if we have surrendered our life to Jesus, we are all called To proclaim the good news, share our faith, talk about Jesus everywhere we go, influence others to come out of darkness into light, to come into faith. He says, do this when it's convenient and when it's not. Preach, and there we go again, that's for you too, in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. That's why at Waterview, we make the presence and power of the Holy Spirit a priority. It's got to be in full expression, And then he says, with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. And notice this, this is what I really want you to key in on. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. And I want to talk to you today for just a few moments on the subject, Death to Selfie. Death to Selfie. This series, TikTok Theology, is so very important. In fact, I've been praying about it, preparing for it. It was very excited for you and I to go on this adventure together because it is very apparent that our world our culture specifically the american culture this generation that we're a part of and the next generation we are all under the influence and it is from our social media feed our news feed it is shaping our values In fact, it's even affecting our outlook and our perspective and heavily influencing our opinions and our worldviews. And the thing that's got me the most concerned is that it is even forming and establishing our theology. Now, I can understand for a person that's not a person of faith, that doesn't know Jesus, that's not really acquainted with the Bible, I can understand how they could be impacted in this manner. But what I'm seeing and my cause for alarm is that even people who proclaim Jesus, even people who proclaim to be Christians and and people of faith, those who are following after Jesus, even these people, my friends, people that I am acquainted with and have relationships with, their theology is being affected by the continual bombardment from our social media feed we are getting our god thoughts from sources that are not godly and the whole idea of this series is just to help you to see that our big picture thinking our our opinions our outlooks our values our ethics our morality our integrity and our theology what we think about god this big picture thinking It is being influenced by that small picture device that you're carrying around in your pocket. And some recent studies show that the average person spends two hours a day on social media. Another study shows that the average person checks their phone 344 times. And you're maybe a little bit aware of these realities. And I was kind of wondering if those connected to our church that are over the age of 50 were thinking, yeah, that's right. You tell those kids because that's what they're doing all the time. They're on their phones. They're on their social media. And I ran across an interesting statistic this week that adults over the age of 50, so get ready for this. It's not just young people. Adults over the age of 50 spend an average of four hours and nine minutes each week on social media. In fact, A leader in our church, a man that I love, Terry Bond, told me a funny story about his mom this past week. His mom, Barbara, is is in town visiting with us from Texas. She is so sweet, so precious, just proper, and an absolute beautiful, elegant, 85-year-old Texas woman. And Terry told me that she burnt out the battery on her phone. She killed her battery one day watching YouTube videos. Hey, I just want you to know if 85-year-old Barbara Bond is spending a lot of time on social media, then there's a high probability that you are too. Videos are being made. Opinions are being shared. Our Our social media, I said this last week, But our social media is a charcuterie board of values and ideologies, unending entertainment by which we distract ourselves. There are self-proclaimed experts with their professed wisdom. Of course, there is the unending cultivation of image and identity management, and there is the poison of popular culture. Needless to say, we are getting all of our God thoughts, all of our information and everything else that matters from poor sources. We're drinking as a society from polluted wells and we are being inundated with subtle toxicity that is destroying us. Social media has a bigger impact on your life than what you realize. Your social media feed and your news feed, it is influencing you more than what you can even know or understand. I said this last week, but I think it's important to say again. We are feasting on information, but we are starving for truth. That is the reality of our day. And one big aspect to what we're under the influence of In our social media feed is what is called an algorithm. Maybe you're familiar with the term, but an algorithm means that we end up, electronically speaking, we end up seeing more of what we like. For example, if you're on YouTube, on Instagram, Facebook, and you click a couple times on a certain kind of video, an algorithm is created, meaning that the system is now aware of what you like, what you're drawn to. And so you will continue to have videos popping up on your feed that are in line with that. You will end up seeing more of what you like. You're gonna end up getting more of what you want. Interestingly speaking, social media works ultimately by what you see a lot of is based on you. It's decided by you. Your algorithm keeps you pumped full of everything that you're about. Really, you are the center of this virtual universe. You're the one that's calling the shots. Maybe you didn't realize this, but you're deciding each and every time what is gonna get deposited into your life. You're steering the ship. You're, you're piloting all of it. And the algorithm gets shaped according to you. You're the one that decides all of it. And what is really fascinating is this is just an extension of what we naturally do anyway, because our tendency is to put ourselves at the center. We all recognize that it's not the ideal thing, the best thing, the most beneficial thing, but we make life all about us. When we're in relationships, we can make it about us and we become the center of the universe. Work life, it's all about us. Even church, we make it all about us. We love being in the center. We love being catered to. We love everything being all about us. It's a part of our culture, and it's a part of our culture because we were kind of born this way, meaning that it's a part of our sinful nature. We're all about us. We are very, very selfish. If you think back over the last few decades, it really highlights this tendency in all of us to move towards us being more about us. For example, in the 1980s, all of the messaging, all of the literature, all of the writings, it was all about self-esteem. Self-esteem was the big focus. And in the 90s, that that—that was all about being self-made. We could be self-made in business and self-made in success. And then when we got to the The 2000s, the kind of first 10 years of the 2000s, that was big time into self-help. How many of you remember Barnes & Noble, remember Borders Books? You'd go in these actual brick-and-mortar stores, which sadly there's not too many of those left. And there would be miles of rows of self-help books how you could become better, you could become skinnier, how you could become smarter, how you could do this, how you could do that. It was all about self-help. And then in around 2010, the messaging shifted. It became all about you need to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. And that's what we were hearing about constantly, the importance of believing in yourself. And then here recently, Our focus as a society has all been about self-love or self-care. We're really big on that. You need to take time for you. You need some time for self-care. And another big thing that's kind of come onto the scene, which again speaks to our natural tendency, is the selfie. Now, I think the majority of you know what a selfie is, but basically when you take a picture of yourself for the purpose of sharing it with others, usually in the context of social media, it's a selfie. Now, a selfie can look a variety of ways. It can kind of look like this, where you hold the phone and you're trying to get the best lighting, the best angle. Yep, that's a selfie. It could also be where you hand the phone to somebody else and you say to them, hey, could you take a picture of me? That is a selfie. Now, if it's just you, it's a selfie. If you're with a couple of other people, it's an ussy. And if you happen to be in a group, well, that's called a groupie. And I'm just joking about all of those things. I, I just made up Usie and groupie. But a selfie, whether you're alone or with others, is a picture that prominently focuses on and features you. And do you know that the, the word selfie was first used in 2002? Now, many of you that are engaging with us today, you weren't even born yet. Like your whole life, all you've ever known is the word selfie. It's just a part of your vocabulary. But there are some that can remember the day that preceded the invention of the word selfie. It was first used in 2002, and then it was officially added to the dictionary in 2013. It was made the word of the year. Imagine that. It was made word of the year in 2014. And then I guess that was such a big hit that that same year in 2014, they declared National Selfie Day. Now, 98 million selfies are posted to social media daily. And that's a whole lot of self-focused people. That's a lot of selfies. In fact, why don't we do something that's kind of fun. Take your phone and and look at it. If you've got an iPhone, if you go to Photos, your photos are arranged in albums. And if you will scroll kind of near the bottom, you're going to see a place that says selfies. This means that your camera has automatically categorized your tendency to take pictures of you, and it's arranged it. It's put it all there into one folder. It says selfies. It's going to let you know how many pics that you have taken of yourself, and we did it at our in-person gatherings. Why don't you go and check it out? Take a look, And, and in fact, if you're really brave, drop in the comments below how many selfies there are on your phone. In fact, I'll go first. Let me let me share with you right now on my phone, under selfies, there are 76 of them, 76 selfies. I wonder how many are on your phone. It'd be fun for you to share. But you know, the biggest message, and this is this is what I really want us to focus on because this series is, is not meant to be an indictment against social media. It's not to try to get us to gather and throw all of our cell phones in a big pile and then and then smash them and burn them in a roaring bonfire to the glory of God. It's nothing like that. But I do want you to know that the biggest message that you're going to hear in TikTok theology is all about self. It's the plug when you think about Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube, all of them. It's the plug It's the source for the never-ending drip of the drug that we can't get enough of, and that is ourselves. What we like and what makes us happy and what sounds good to us and what we agree with and getting likes and follows and shares and getting attention put on us. It's all about us. And in the same way, Satan who like a serpent started whispering, be all about yourself into the ear of Eve at the very beginning. It's social media that is now reinforcing this idea of humanism in every single one of us. You remember the story at the very beginning of time. In the very beginning, Eve's there in perfection and paradise, enjoying and unrestricted unfettered access to God. He's walking with them every day. They're talking. They're the best of friends. They have everything they could ever hope for. Everything that can make them truly happy, that could truly satisfy them. And Satan comes along and says, "Girl, what are you doing? Why are you letting why are you letting God put all these restrictions on you? Boo, you need to do you." You're not happy. I mean, look. Yeah. Yeah, forget about all this other wonderful paradise that you've got access to. Just look at God. He's so cruel. He said you can't have access to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man, he's trying to keep you in the dark. Girl, you're naked. You don't even know it. You you need to get free. You need to you need to live for you. Stop Stop trying to live for him. And he whispered into the ear of Eve this idea of humanism. And humanism is where we put ourselves at the center of existence and we elevate our preferences and our human experience above divine matters, above divine laws, above what God's plan is for us and what God intends for us. We say, well, it's going to be about us, who we are, what we're feeling, what we're going through. That's what's going to take precedent. That's what's going to have priority. And while social media certainly is allowing us to download humanism faster and with more regularity than ever before, humanism is as ancient as the earth and humanity itself. Like I said, Satan in the beginning was trying to get Eve to make everything about her and not about God, and it was trying to get Eve to focus on what she was lacking rather than all that she was blessed with. Satan tried to make Eve the center of the story, and that's what humanism does. It puts us at the center It makes what we think, feel, want, believe, desire more important than what our Creator has said. This is what's best for you. This is what's going to bless you. This is what's going to cause you to flourish and to live fulfilled. And this is what I want you to see here today. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is a big idea. But for us to be in the center, that is incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This pull towards humanism, the reason that social media is so dangerous, the reason that being under the influence of it is so dangerous is because when we allow ourselves to get in the center of our universe, when we're in the center, it is incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at this passage in Luke 22. Jesus kind of talks about this. It says that the disciples bickered over which one of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom. I think you need to say selfie right there because that's the heart of this selfie message. Who's the greatest? Who's going to get more attention? And the disciples are arguing over this. And Jesus interrupted their argument saying, in this world, they're going to be obsessed and they are obsessed with how others see them. Come on, say selfie again. That is The heart and and the whole crux of selfie is who's the greatest and being obsessed with how others see us. But look at what Jesus says. This is not your calling. You will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant heart. Hey, what I'm trying to help you to see is that for you to be in the center, for me to be in the center, it is incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus says this in Mark chapter number 10. He says, you are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest, then live as one called to serve others The path to promotion comes by having the heart of one who serves everyone. For even the Son of Man, notice, the Son of Man, God in flesh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our leader, the Savior of the world, God, the creator of the universe. He did not come expecting to be served, but to serve everyone and to give His life as the ransom price for the salvation of many. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the selfie gospel where it's all about me, 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 where I'm in the center, it is satanic, literally. A man named Anton LaVey founded the Church of Satan in 1966. And three years later, he he wrote a book that's pretty infamous, it's called The Satanic Bible. He wrote the Satanic Bible in 1969. And contrary to popular belief, and I want to warn you, this might blow your mind and this might come against some preconceived notions and ideas, but contrary to popular belief, the Church of Satan wasn't necessarily about sacrificing chickens and doing dark magic to conjure up the devil while people drink blood and dress in Halloween costumes and watch horror movies. No, it was actually founded to promote humanistic values. That's right. The very thing that Satan whispered to Eve in the beginning, that it's going to be all about you, that it should be all about you, that's why the Church of Satan and the Satanic Bible was written to further propagate those humanistic values. The same humanistic values that are being downloaded and transmitted to us every single day on social media, on our news media. It was propagated in the Satanic Bible. In fact, if you read the Satanic Bible, again, this is going to blow your mind, the foundational principle the driving gospel, we could say the very first and the number one commandment is this, do thine own will. Do thine own will. Do what you want to do. Do whatever you think is true and right. Do whatever makes you happy. Live for you. But whenever, however, wherever, do thine own will. If it's in your heart to do it, go for it. Don't let anything hold you back. Morally, ethically, doesn't matter. Do thine own will because you're at the center of the universe. It's all about you. Please yourself. Live for yourself. Do thine own will. But you know Jesus, who was God in flesh, the creator of the universe, the word of God, walking around among us, Even this same Jesus says in John 5 and verse number 19 that He doesn't do what He wants to do. He says that He's not about Himself. That He only does what is the will of God. He he only does what Father God commands and only what God is doing. And so today, whether you take a bunch of selfies or not, That's not really the issue. That's just a symptom of putting ourselves at the center. And before you ever took a selfie, most likely you were living for you. Most likely it was about your needs, your wants, your expectations, your desires. In fact, you may not even have a cell phone right now, but you're most likely living for you, because this is our natural tendency, this is our sinful nature, and the world, social media, TikTok theology, our sinful nature is constantly reinforcing that message and is preaching to put ourselves at the center, to make your preferences, your opinions, your entertainment, your comfort in first place. But if you're a person of faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian on any level, you need to know this. If you are at the center, Jesus can't be there. And if Jesus is at the center, you can't be there. And we see this really clearly in Matthew chapter number 16. A very fascinating interaction between Jesus and Peter. Peter being one of his closest and most dedicated disciples and one of Jesus' best friends. Matthew 16, 21 says this, From then on, Jesus began to tell His disciples plainly that it was necessary for Him to go to Jerusalem and notice, because Jesus is on a mission to seek and to save those who are lost, because Jesus, we already read, was not on a mission to be served, but was on a mission to serve others, to give his life for others, he says it's necessary. i got to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. Jesus says, I'm going I'm to be hurt. My heart's going to be broken. I'm going to be lied about. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to have people do me dirty. And he even says that's going to come from religious people, not to mention others. But my life, guys, is going to be filled with things that are utterly and completely devastating. They want to knock me down and knock me out. And if that's not enough, he says, look, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be tortured. I- I- I'm going to be mocked. I- I'm, going to have, I- I'm going to have my strength taken from me. I'm going to be brutally murdered. And on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And look at the response. Peter takes him aside, and he begins to reprimand him for saying such things. He says, Heaven forbid, Lord, this is never going to happen to you. And I don't think Peter was doing this in a malicious way, an ill-intentioned way. It probably came from a good a good place. He was worried about the one that he loved, his friend. And notice how Jesus responds. Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you've got to give up your own way. And you've got to take up your cross. And you've got to follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you're going to save it. You know, Jesus, he he starts telling his disciples all about this journey that he is on to love others, to save, to help, to serve others. That's what Jesus is really talking about here. He's like, guys, I want to give you a 50,000 foot view of what this whole thing is all about i am going after people i'm going after people like like you and like me i'm i am going after people who are separated from me i want them close i want to be in a relationship i love them i don't want to see them affected by sin i don't want to see them affected by self satan or circumstances I'm going after them. But the reality of the matter is that it's going to be filled with sacrifice. Hey, when you get really serious about faith and about going all in with Jesus, you got to know that it's going to be filled with, with sacrifice. He models this for us. Thankfully, the ultimate sacrifice, He did. We, we don't have to give our lives. He took our place. But if we follow our Lord and leader, if we stay a step behind Him, well then, going after others and making a difference in the world and changing our community and loving others to life and seeing faith break out into into homes where it's lacking to see our church grow, to experience revival. It's going to, according to Jesus, take sacrifice. There's going to be a lot of work and there's going to be betrayal and there's going to be pain. There's going to be us all going all in. And Peter steps in and he says, no, Jesus, I don't want to hear that. You shouldn't be talking that. God forbid. Don't you dare do that, Jesus. Don't you let those people, don't you let anyone take advantage of you. No, Jesus, no, don't say that. You are going to get burnt out. You can't do that. What about you? You got so much other good happening. You're going to get burnt out. You're too good of a person for that. Hey, don't let them do you that way. No, 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 no. You're number one. You take care of you. You take time for you. And when Peter starts giving lip service to the rhetoric that Satan gave to Eve in the beginning, that our social media feed is pouring into us and what we are guilty of thinking, believing, and sharing with others. Many times Jesus rebukes Peter for that and calls his dear friend Satan. He says, bro, you don't understand what it is that you're saying. That all sounds good, but it's not good. And I just want to pause here and say a couple of things that really stand out for me from this exchange. Number one, not everyone who tells you what you want to hear is your friend. I know that we like seeking out people that's going to tell us what we want to hear, that's going to agree with us, that's going to align their thinking and emotions with ours. But Jesus didn't call Peter friend. He called him Satan in that moment. And then secondly, not, not everything that sounds most pleasing to your inclination and your personal desire is right. And that's generally how we make decisions. Man, this feels good to me, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, this is, this is what I'd love. Yeah, I, I'm going to do that. That's what's right for me. Peter was saying to Jesus all of the things that would resonate the most with him. Hey, you don't have to die. You don't have to be that extreme. No, don't get burnt out. was saying all of that. And Jesus says, No. No, and he strongly opposes that humanism that was manifesting in Peter, and he says, look, Peter, you are only seeing things from a human point of view. That's, that's how we make this mistake. That's how we end up putting ourselves in the center. We're only seeing things from a human point of view. Jesus says, Peter, the reason that you have a problem with what I'm saying is because God's will is not at the center of what you're living for right now. You are living for you. And Jesus says, I'm here to bring death to selfie. I'm here for others. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to change the world. I'm here to to seek and serve. I'm here to seek, serve, and save. Death to selfie. That's my message, Peter. You are leaning into selfie, and I'm saying death to selfie. And here's the last thing that I want to leave with you. The heart of what it means to be a Christian is self-denial. This means that we look for ways to put others behind while putting God and others first. That's right, this, this Christianity thing, this faith thing the true message is it's god first others second and us last it's death to selfie jesus says deny yourself take up your cross and follow me now TikTok theology what we're getting on our social media it doesn't tell you this but the god of the bible does And that's why people don't reject the Bible because the Bible contradicts itself. People reject the Bible because it contradicts them. They want to live for themselves. They want to do what they want to do. And the message of the Bible is Jesus died and rose again so that we can put our faith in Him. And as we follow Him, we die to our old ways, how we used to think, how we used to live and we're going to walk in newness of life that what matters to Jesus now matters to us what he cares about now we care about what he does we do the satanic bible says it loud and clear in its first and most important commandment do thine own will but in this faith in christianity jesus And we see it recorded in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying. He says, I don't want to die. I don't want to go and suffer. I I don't want to be stripped naked and mocked and slapped and scourged and, and beaten and nailed to boards. I don't want to go through this, but, Jesus says, it's not about what I want. Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, O God, but... But you let your will be done. I'm not going to do my own will. It's going to be your will, God. And I love how Paul sums it up as we get ready to close. I love how Paul sums it up in Galatians chapter number two. This is the essence of what death to selfie is really about and and it really speaks to the reward, the promise, and the blessing of it. Paul says, "My old self has been crucified." with Christ. That's what we mean when we say death to selfie. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. In fact, I love how the Passion Translation puts this so much that I want to share this with you as we close. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and it no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the Anointed One lives His life through me. We live in union as one. And notice, my new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that He gave Himself for me, dispensing His life into mine. Did you know that being fully alive, flourishing, and living fulfilled, do you know that an empowered life only comes when you stop living for yourself, when you stop having yourself at the center, and when you make it all about Jesus, when you die to yourself and you start living for Him. You know, death to selfie on the surface might appear intimidating and, and kind of fearsome, But Paul in Galatians says, my new life is empowered. Come on, how many of you want an empowered life? Aren't you tired of doing the same things, getting the same results? Whether it be in relationships and behaviors, all of the things that we can get ourselves wrapped up in. Wouldn't you like a life that's empowered? Come on, I want to pray with you here today. In fact, I want to pray two prayers. Number one, I want to pray for those of you who are Christians, those of you who have called on Christ, who are following Jesus. I want us to realign our priorities. And I want us to take a good look at ourselves, And I want us to make sure that it's Jesus that's at the center. And you can tell Jesus is at the center of your life when you pay careful attention to where your money's going, where your time is being spent, who your friends are and what your priorities are. Jesus, help us today to make you the center, to make you the priority. God, help us to die to ourselves all over again. Come on, we want to be close to you, Jesus. This whole month is about spiritual renewal and we want more of you than ever before. And the second prayer that I want to pray is for all of you who might be engaging with us who are are not Christians or maybe you feel far from God, separated from God. Maybe at one time in your life you walked with Jesus, you've let things separate you from Him. Now is the time for you to make a fresh start. And that's what we call it here at Waterview. When you just surrender to Him and you say, Jesus, I'm, I'm making you the Lord of my life. And that's what I want to invite you to do. Wherever you are, join me and pray this prayer with me. Make a fresh start with me today so that you can start living this new life that's empowered. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the one true God. And right now, I surrender my life to you. I give everything that I am to you. I give you permission and access to come fully and completely into my world. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. Lord, you will be my Lord and leader, and I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. So teach me your words and show me your ways. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Thank you for your goodness and for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.